It is Texas Money and Business, and I am Ron Taylor. It's good to have you right here on KEXB, Experts in Business, 620 AM. And Doug Parker is here today, and of course, it's Ambitious Radio Network. We are underway with another great guest. Doug, welcome along. Ron, thanks so much. You know, I, I keep having a hard time with this KEXB, getting used to it, 620. I'm used to the old call letters, but you know what? <laughs> I'm, I'm going to get it down eventually. Yes, you will. So, you well, and me both. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Well, here we are on episode 14 and, you know, the Ambitious Radio Network. We're going to talk in business, entrepreneurship, finance, interviewing very interesting people like Mike Oren that we have on the show today, as well as, um, you know, there's other related topics. So we re- definitely want to, to thank our sponsors. We've got freeelectricitydfw.com, repairmycreditnow.com, and all3reports.com. That's all the number three reports with an S.com. So we'll talk about just different things, books, success principles, leadership, quotes, things that really um, you know, kind of stand out for folks and hopefully pick up a nugget or two. You can go back and apply to your businesses, uh, you know, back, back at home. So with that being said, today we're talking to Mike Warren. He's a president of Speak Easy, a content marketing and social media uh, company that does uh, really digital strategies and, and different things. But it's a joint venture between Slingshot and the Dallas Morning News. Welcome, Mike. Uh, hey. Great to be here. Thanks for yes, having me, guys. Absolutely. Great to see you. So tell us a little bit about them. I mean, how in the world did you um, you know, get get to, to do some stuff with the Dallas Morning News? Well, it, it, that is a very long and winding story. Uh, I, I guess I would jump back to where I actually started a company to compete with the Dallas Morning News uh, way back in 2004 uh, as a digital-only news site. Uh, but they were aware of me, and we 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 bandied back and forth, and we danced around them acquiring us a couple times. And uh, so then many years later, uh, after I'd left and they had acquired uh, Pegasus News, uh, they realized that they wanted to get into this business of uh, doing content marketing and social media. They wanted to work with some folks who knew the agency business, which was the slingshot folks, uh, but but also with people who were more from the publishing mindset than the uh, than that pure advertising mindset. And I just happened to know everybody involved, so they pulled me in. So the uh, the big lesson there is uh, is never burn a bridge. You know, absolutely. You know, it's kind of funny. One one of the books that uh, that I, that I like a lot, um, how to win friends and influence people. As you're going through that book, it, one of the things it talks about is burning the bridges behind you. Now, it's not in the traditional way that we think of it, where you go scorched earth and and you know they would never have you back. But it's more of when you leave a place, letting them know, hey, look, I'm gone. Don't call me back. Don't recruit me, so that you're not, you know, uh, going to the new place, always thinking, well, I always got to fall back. I can go over here. But I think that's right. a, I think that's important what you're talking about there because there are so many people out there that they do go scorched earth when they leave because there's a straw that breaks a camel's back and they're done and they're never going back and they they leave on the wrong terms and you just never know uh, really who's connected to who you know and, and uh, before we kind of got on the air here we were talking about a mutual acquaintance that we had that we didn't you know neither one of us even knew uh, that the other one knew and so you never know who knows who in this world for sure. It's my wife says it's a small world. I wouldn't want to paint it. Right, right, absolutely. <laughs> I like that quote. I like that a lot. So, um, so tell us just a little bit about you in general. I mean, kind of growing up. Are you from around this area you, here in Texas, or or, or where did where'd you grow up? No, I'm originally from Greensboro, North Carolina. I uh, spent my whole childhood there uh, in North Carolina, kind of right between Charlotte and Raleigh. I uh, went to school at Duke University in uh, Durham, North Carolina, and after I'd graduated about a year out, I decided I wanted to go live someplace I'd never been before, uh, probably stay there a couple, five years at most, uh, and I moved out to Dallas, and that was 20 years ago. 
Yeah, once you got here, it's, it's, it's a hard place to leave. I'll tell you, I, I, I'm fortunate enough to be from Texas, and I grew up out in East Texas, but but I, I moved to Dallas, you know, quote-unquote, to be able to make some make some money because it's hard to make it out in the country. But, uh, man, I, I love this area. There's no place like it. You know, it really, it really is home to me, and I, I thought a couple years ago about moving away, and I, I just couldn't do it, uh, you know, partly because so many of my business connections were here, but really just because I love you. It's, you get the amenities of a big city, but it's still, it still kind of feels like Mayberry. You don't go anywhere where you don't run into somebody you know, and, uh, and that's always a good thing. Sure. No, absolutely. And, and you know, you mentioned um, your wife earlier in one of her quotes said, it's, it's a small world, but she wouldn't want to paint it, right? Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. I like that. I've never heard that, but I really do like I wrote that down. Yeah, it's so, small, but not that small, right? Right, right. Absolutely. <laughs> well, you know, and one of the things that you had talked about was your favorite book was The Meaning of Marriage by Tim Keller. So obviously, you know, you mentioned you're married. So let's just talk a little bit about that. I mean, with business people and entrepreneurs, sometimes it, it, it seems to be one dimensional. And there's so many people that I've met over the years that they they don't have it all. You know, they, they sacrifice a lot of stuff, their family, their kids, whatever. And then ultimately what winds up happening is, is they may be successful in business, but when you really look at them, they're a shell of who they really are. But looks like that's definitely a priority for you. So what was it about that book that you liked? Well, and, and I would say what you just described is, is a pretty apt description of me about five years ago. Uh, and I was unsure. I was divorced. I had nothing really but business going in my life and uh, was not in a good place. And, and the reason I, I, I mentioned that Keller book uh, is that you know, Tim Keller has become a big inspiration of mine. I'm actually pretty excited I'm going to get to meet him next week. Uh, but you know, he writes a lot of, of theology books. But, but the meaning of marriage is important to me, not just because my wife and I read that together and she had a similar background as mine, being divorced and kind of business only, uh, but because it just more so even than any of his other books really encapsulated uh, kind of what that balance and what that relationship should be uh, you know, on all fronts and not just with your spouse, but with other people too. Uh, so, so that that was just very pivotal in our thinking and, and how we came together. So that that's always my first uh, choice now in, in terms of favorite book. Sure. Absolutely. Were there, were there any kind of key walking away points just off the top of your head that you can remember? Well, one of the biggest ones is that if you make your spouse, the end all be all, uh, they can never live up to that. They can never, you know, they're, they're, you, you've set it up. So you're both inherently going to be disappointed. Um, and so, so, that means that fundamentally changes what that relationship is supposed to be. And I think a lot of people get into a marriage relationship thinking that they are the end all be all for that person and vice versa. And, and, and we both found that 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 doesn't work. And instead, what you're doing is you're doing things together, uh, but along along different paths sometimes. You know, that makes that makes a lot of sense. One of one of my uh, businesses I'm involved in, they talk about God first, family second, and then everything else is behind that. Yep. And, you know, it's, it, I know what you're talking about. I've seen it where, where folks try to get their satisfaction from their spouse and, you know, sometimes they can give you satisfaction, uh, but then other times not so much. And it can be a really, uh, you know, miserable situation if you don't have it all set up right. So that's, that's really a interesting deal there. And, and, you know, uh, from time to time, you know, when we're talking to, to guests or just people in general, you know, it's everybody likes to hear about the new puppy or the bright and shiny or how great everything's going or the awards, but it's it's those tough times that really make you appreciate the good times. If we, if it was sunshine and every day, then you know we'd live in a desert. 
it's those rainy days <laughs> that makes it green. And, and so, um, you know, it's, it's unfortunate that you had to go through some, some struggles personally, but it sounds like you've learned a lot of lessons from that. And, and then on the move on the go forward, you absolutely have your priorities in line at this point. Sure. Trying to, sure. Trying to. Yeah, absolutely. I know, I know the feeling, man, I've, I've been married for almost uh, 20 years now and man, there's been some good times and some bad times. And, and I have definitely you know done things not in order a lot of times and, Thank, thank God for real that that my wife has has stuck in there with me. But uh, it's not because I've always deserved it. That's for that's for sure. So, well, well as, no, if, if if any of us got what we deserved, we'd be in big trouble, right? You know, it's funny that you say that. I had a I had a buddy of mine that that whenever he was uh, his son was graduating from high school, he wrote him a letter and he's like, hey, I, I you know he he had a great relationship with his dad, but he's like, I wish my dad would have given me some advice as I'm going out and being a man. And he had a couple of his close friends. Um, you know, review this letter before he gave it to his son, and and some of it was just kind of personal stuff that didn't I didn't you know really know the, the application. But the one thing that stuck stood out to me was he says that um, when I was younger, I always felt like I didn't get what I deserved, and the more mature I get, I am so thankful that I don't get what I deserve. <laughs> and man, I'm gonna tell you what it, it stood out to me because. You know, I work hard and I do a lot of stuff and, and sometimes, you know, you think, you know, why is this or that happening to me? But really, it's you don't ever ask yourself that question when things are going well, most of us. Hey, why is this happening to me? Man, I'm just whatever I'm doing is just working out. We right, think it's just because I'm of us. so awesome. That, that, right. Exactly. That, that naturally this is the success is coming to me. Yeah. Ex- exactly. Exactly. So well that's cool, man. Well, I tell you what, um, we're gonna wrap up this segment right now. Um, you know, we've got a uh, a Facebook page that you can like us on, the Ambitious Radio Network. And we're going to try to keep everything posted and updated on ambitiousradio.com. So if you missed the segment or if you uh, tune in late, you can go back uh, after the show is over and we'll have it uploaded there. We've also got a new podcast that we've got going, so we're excited about that. Tune in after the break, and we're going to be talking more uh, with Mike about just some of his experiences in business, some of the things that he's done entrepreneurial, some of the uh, experiences he's had and how he's persevered through that right here on KEXB, Experts in Business, 620 AM and the Ambitious Radio Network. And we are back in here on Texas Money and Business, the ambitious radio network, and Doug Parker is here as your host. Doug, it's all yours, sir. Hey, thanks so much, Ron. I really appreciate you uh, taking the helm and, and working all the buttons, man. It, it's crazy seeing all those things that, that you push and turn up <laughs> and down. I, I couldn't do it without you, and I'm, I'm really My very pleasure. appreciative. <laughs> It's uh, it's quite a quite a task to take on, so I, I uh, I'm appreciative of that. So today we've got Mike Warren on the show, and he really has done all kinds of really cool stuff. Uh, we're gonna talk a little bit about you know some of the entrepreneurial experiences and and really what made him to start uh, decide to start his own company. So, uh, Mike, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for being on. Yeah, thrilled to be here. Yeah, absolutely. You know, we we met through a, a mutual friend that that uh, has some radio stations, and we were talking about. Uh, I, I was I was talking to uh, talking to him about you know what what do we need to do here, Josh? I, I want some expertise. I want some experience. This is a new uh, venture for me, and I'd love to you know talk to him. He goes, man, I got the guy you need to talk to. He goes, you know what? Matter of fact, you've met him before at the Christian Business Leader thing that that we did, and uh, and so that was that was kind of a cool deal. So you're into all kinds of stuff, but let's talk about entrepreneurship right now. Some of the things you've done entrepreneurially over the over the years. Yeah, I mean, I've one thing I, I realized a couple of years ago is if I look back at, at my career so far, every single company I've worked for, whether, 
whether it was mine or not, has been a a startup or a relaunch or a turnaround. Uh, I don't seem to do well with it with business as usual. So, um, you know, a lot of different places. I was at D Magazine here in Dallas when it relaunched. It had gone away for a few years. That's D Magazine here. Um, so I, I that that's really where I say I got my my real life MBA. It never got a real MBA, but I feel like I, I learned most of what I learned there. Um, later on, I started my own uh, news site called Pegasus News, and it was an early attempt to do digital-only local news. Uh, went out, raised money for that, uh, had folks from the uh, the Dow Jones uh, Bancroft family involved in that, uh, folks from Hart Hanks, and uh, grew that pretty large and sold it to a group out of Seattle who sold it then to a radio group here in Dallas, and then they resold it to the Dallas Morning News. Uh, so it, that that hopped around, um, and then now I wound up in this venture, Speakeasy, where we're doing a, a content marketing social media agency, and I'm actually in partnership with the Dallas Morning News and an, another ad agency here. We're about three years into that now. Gotcha, gotcha. So now on, on Speakeasy, so... You know, you, you talked about uh, content marketing and some of those kind of things. And, and for people that are in the advertising world, they probably know exactly what that means. But for the layperson, if, if you're a business owner and maybe an entrepreneur, what, what is content marketing? What does that really mean? Yeah, and, and it's a lot of people think it's the big new thing, and it's really almost the oldest form of marketing. I mean, we're on the radio now, and, and it used to be that you didn't play your 30-second spot. You had the folks on the radio talking about, uh, you know, the mattress they slept on last night and why they got a good sleep on it, right? So it, it's it's informational content, not necessarily salesy content uh, that, that gets a consumer interested, helps them trust your brand, and then ultimately buy. So it's so like for us, the model typically is for, say, a retailer, uh, take a furniture store. Uh, we're not necessarily writing about why they're the best furniture store, but we, we post a blog where they've got information about the latest furniture trends, the styles, um, sometimes things that are specific to the brand uh, that they want to talk about. Then we use social media to distribute that content uh, so that, you know, that that's where you really reach people now, right? Is they, they may not want to get your email every day. They may not come to your website, but you're going to catch them on Facebook or one of the other social networks. So we manage that for the brands. And then uh, typically we do some kind of digital promotion to help drive business. And that that can be a sweepstakes. It can be a digital coupon. It can be a check-in special. Uh, but at the end of the day, it's it's just another form of marketing that's that's really focused on using digital communities where people are already engaging uh, to get them to to do business with you. Um, and, and then the example I'm giving there is retail, but we're, we're all over the map. We work with some big national brands. We do some B2B. Uh, we do restaurants. Uh, so, so it's a very diverse uh, type of, uh, of client base. Gotcha. Now, is there a certain size business or a certain amount of spend that you need to have every month before it would kind of make sense to, to do business with a company like yours? Yeah, I mean, we we started about a, a five grand a month retainer uh, and go up from there. Uh, we we have some brands that that spend upwards of a million dollars with us, and it really just depends on how much you need uh, and and the audience that you're trying to reach, and and also uh, you know what stage of the sales funnel folks are in. You know, if you think about if we're talking about a uh, some 
something like a, a home warranty, somebody may not even know they want a home warranty. So we're just trying to educate them on what that is uh, versus, you know, some other types of business like, you know, a lot of the, the attractions we work with, like one would be the Dallas Arboretum. Uh, you know, it's about can we get people in on Thursday when they've got an event that, you know, that they've still got tickets to move for. So, you know, it, it, it varies depending. Gotcha, gotcha. Well, that, that makes perfect sense. Now, let me ask you this. I mean, you, you mentioned that you kind of like the turnaround or the startup. You know, the there's a certain amount of chaos that that's created there. And, you know, I'm, I'm kind of like you. I, I enjoy the chaos of startup. I, I really like that. I mean, the monotony of the day-to-day, like, oh, how much are insurance rates going up and all that kind of stuff. I'm like, good Lord, give me a break on that. But I, I like that startup as well. But let me ask you this. When's the last time you had a, a regular job, a traditional like nine to five, like hourly or salary or something kind of job? That would be 2003. I, uh, from about two, two, oh no, take about 2004. From 2001 to 2004, I ran a Texas Lawyer, which is a weekly uh, newspaper for the legal market here. Uh, that was part of American Lawyer Media, which is a bigger conglomerate and does that all over the country. You think of them as like the business journals for law. So uh, I was running their Texas office then. That that was the last time I, I guess I had what, what you'd call a straight job. But but yeah. even then, you know, it was a turnaround. It had been one of the, the the better performing papers in the group, and then it had fallen off, and and they brought me in specifically to to try and pick it up. And you can imagine 2001 was not the best time for the ad market. So we had to uh, we had to do some real creative things. So even though that was a straight job, it, it still felt like a startup or, or a turnaround there. There was lots of disruption and moving people around and adding new products. And, and it, it was a good while before I started thinking of it as a day job. Right. No, no, that makes that makes perfect sense. You know, it's been uh, since 2003 since I've had an employer, you know, where I had to check in with them. And, and now my boss is, you know, the employees or the uh, consumers that we're dealing with. But but I, I, I uh, there's things about that that I miss, but there's a lot more that I don't miss about it. Now, what was the impetus between I mean, just actually pulling the trigger and saying, you know what, I am done with that type of environment. Was it like so many where you just have enough one day and you know somebody says something that just kind of straw that breaks a camel's back or was it really a strategic move that you had planned it all out and here's what I'm going to go do now it was more about the product I wanted to launch you know I was uh, I was finding myself uh, back you know I'm I'm a newspaper junkie and and back around uh, that time you know the early days of of heavy online news and and that kind of thing you know really seeing that the print papers weren't weren't taking advantage of that and if anything were shying away from it and seeing that as being where the opportunity went and and seeing it not just as a how you consume news play but really fundamentally about what kind of advertising you get to people and and really thinking through how, what could I find out about somebody at a local level to customize their advertising so you know you know how today when you look at something on a website and you're shopping and uh, you know, it, all of a sudden an ad for that very product starts following you all around the internet. Well, that, that sounds like science fiction back in 2004. And, and that's what I believe we could do. So, uh, for me, it was much more about the opportunity and that I saw a, a space in the marketplace uh, where I had some knowledge, uh, and, and, and could bring it to bear that, you know, the American lawyer media who I worked for was a great company, uh, still is, and and the fellow who was the CEO there, who was my boss, is is still a good friend of mine to this day. And 
Uh, if I, if I, ha- I guess if I had to work for somebody, he'd be one that I'd pick. Uh, but it, it was, it was very much, you know, where is the media world going and, and thinking that, that we could take it to a different place. Gotcha. Gotcha. Well, let me ask you this. Would, you know, if, if you could go back to, to the, to the mic of 10 years ago and, and tell yourself something, <laughs> what, what would it be? I, I, I could, you know what I would probably. Probably bore him to death because I'd be telling him so much stuff that that he would be just getting fidgety and and wanting to go actually do something. <laughs> um, I, I think I would start by uh, by by saying that what you're doing right now is not the end all be all of your career, and it's not what you're going to be ultimately judged on, and it's not uh, the only job ever. I got kind of maniacal on that startup, uh, you know, working twenty hour days and expecting everybody else around me to do the same and. Uh, probably, you know, we stretched really for a long time when we had very little capital and, uh, you know, one of my investors would call us the, the, the cockroaches of local media cause you couldn't kill us. And, and eventually I realized, well, no, maybe it was that we were just too dumb to quit when we were beat. Uh, so, so I think definitely taking the pedal off a little bit and, and having some perspective would be the, the first thing that I would, I would counsel myself on back then. Yeah, I think that's real good. I think you had talked about something, you know, don't hold on so tightly. And, you know, I'm uh, one of the things that makes entrepreneurs successful is they get out there, they take risks, they they make things happen. Right. Um, but they take control and and there's some good to that. But but some of the things that make you the best is can be some of your biggest handicaps as well if you if you're not careful. So that working, you know, there's there's a balance between somewhere between about 8 hours a day of work and 20 that's probably right. <laughs> right. And I right. don't know that well, eight And I think it also ties to to having a level of patience, too, right? Not just with yourself, but with your people and even with your concept. I mean, there's a lot of people talk about trying to be on the leading edge, and that can quickly trip into being on the bleeding edge where you're out there a little too far. And I think with with Pegasus, that's where we were. The the things that we were doing back then, uh, had we started that five years later, we probably would have been right in the middle of the fairway, uh, but instead we were so early that, that people didn't even really necessarily understand what it was we were selling. And right. we weren't able to articulate that. You know, it wasn't that people were dumb. It was that we weren't able to articulate that because they'd never seen it before. Uh, so I think, I think in the end that all of those things, what they have in common is it comes down to patience. Yep, absolutely. Well, patience is, is something that uh, it's it's very difficult to have, and and I guess it's a virtue that that's not it's big on my list. I'm just not very good at it. So anyway, <laughs> um, well, hey, we're wrapping up on this segment. Um, you know, today we've got Mike Warren with Speak Easy with us, and what a what a, a story he's got. We're going to hear more about some of his successes, some of the things he's done in business, and and then also outside of business. Right here on KEXB, Experts in Business, six twenty a.m. and the Ambitious Radio Network. And the Ambitious Radio Network underway here on KEXP, Experts in Business, 620 AM. Ron Taylor with you and Doug Parker here. Doug? Yeah, Doug Parker, Ambitious Radio Network, and we're really excited today. I mean, we've just had some of the, the best guests. I'm, I'm so excited about the folks that have agreed to just come on and tell us a little bit about their lives. I hope that the audience is appreciating the uh, the the 
sharing and kind of the transparency that these folks are, are throwing out there. Today we've got Mike Warren, president of Speakeasy, and you know they're a content marketing company. We talked a little bit about that earlier, and, and now we want to talk just a, a little bit about some of the other ventures that, uh, that that Mike's done. And I know that you've you know you've started companies. We've talked about that. You've you've done. Um, all kinds of just interesting stuff. I, you know, I was participated in the Faith in Business conference that you had here in Dallas. But let's talk a little bit about that. I mean, how was it that you came up with with that? It, it, I didn't come up with it so much as that it it found me. Uh, it, it started when our pastor, I go to Munger Place Church here in Dallas, and our pastor took me out to see a simulcast of the uh, the Willow Creek Global Leadership conference which if you've never seen it's it's pretty cool though they have you know people like you know bill clinton uh carly fiorina they're not all politicians a lot of business folks uh you know they they had a the head of ge and and they're talking about uh very specific business issues with a little bit of a faith-based twist to it and and i asked him why he brought me and he said well you know, I'd really like to see there's such a separation between business life and church life. And, and I, I want the young people in our church to look at people who are business leaders and kind of connect those dots. And and that left me thinking. And then, you know, I had a couple experiences uh, in my own work that, that made me question sort of how the right right balance of faith and business plan and really what the role of living your faith in the workplace is. Um, a big one was that I was doing, I do these sort of regular lunches and coffees with our junior staff that I don't get to work with a lot, just to you know, talk with them about, you know, their career goals and how I can help them get there and what they like and don't like and, you know, what we can be doing better. And you know, I had this fellow just cut me off and say, hey, you know, I, I'm not really interested in talking about that today. I want to talk about your church and where you go. And I feel like you're, you're, I'm where you were about five years ago. And I'd really like your advice on that. And, and, you know, we are, uh, you know, a, a, a secular business and that just shocked me. And I thought, wow, I don't know how he even knew to ask that question. Uh, so, so I've got this tight group of guys and you were mentioning your, your buddy, Josh, who's one of them, uh, that that's, we're kind of more than a Bible study. We're really like a, like a band of brothers. And so I took it to them and, and they all have the same struggle in different ways, trying to figure out how, how all that connects. Uh, so, you know, being entrepreneurs all, we decided, well, let's put on a conference and get some people together to talk about it. Yeah, I tell you what, it was uh, quite a quite an event, and I think was uh, I think you guys had like the CEO of J.C. Penney there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We had Mike Allman, who was he was right as he was leaving as CEO. He was handing over the reins to the fellow from uh, Home Depot uh, who had just joined, and so it was probably one of his last talks uh, as as the CEO. And really amazingly transparent and great. And, and we got really lucky. I, the only reason I knew to invite him was, it all comes back to Tim Keller, when you talked about Tim Keller books. Uh, Keller wrote a book called uh, Every Good Endeavor uh, that is about how, how your religious life and your work life uh, sync up and reconcile. And he just, in passing in one, in one chapter of the book, mentioned Mike as somebody... Uh, who was very avid in that area. So we uh, we tracked him down, knew he was here in town, and and fortunately he agreed to do it. Man, that is unbelievable. It's it's cool that, you know, when you reach out to folks, very, very few times have I reached out to someone and then they tell me, you know, no, we won't come do something or whatever the case is. And so that's 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 a really a great a great deal. So let me ask you this. I mean, with all the things you've done, 
you know, tell me about maybe one of the things you're most proud of. I know that the faith and business is a big deal, uh, but what, what other things have you done and something that you're just really proud of? You know, I, I really am proud of the, the Pegasus News adventure uh, in that a lot of the things that seem very commonplace now that were crazy in, in 2000 started with what we were doing. I mean, we were one of the first ones to have comments on a news website and we moderated them really well. Uh, we were one of the first ones to do truly what they call hyper local news where, I mean, we had, we, we would run a breaking news alert as though a new president had been elected when somebody's dog was missing and target it. So you would only see that in certain neighborhoods. Uh, we were the first a news site to ever run individually targeted advertising. So, you know, we did a lot and I had an amazing team uh, that hung together even when we didn't always have money. There was, there was one spot where I think we went about four months without making payroll uh, mm. and we made everybody whole afterwards. Uh, but you know, they stayed on board. And so, so to me that that's always going to be an experience. I won't forget, you know, like we said in the last segment, there are also some big lessons I learned from it in some ways that I screwed it up, but, mm -hmm. uh, it, you know, it, it also gave me the platform to do a lot of the things I've done since and led me to doing consulting work for CBS and, and, you know, this venture now the, uh, with speakeasy and the Dallas morning news. Yeah, you know, and I think somewhere I was I was reading something that said you had some some kind of interaction with Steve Jobs one time. Yeah, you know, I uh, I, e I emailed Steve uh, right when they first launched iAds. It was the first ads they had in apps, and and he's sort of like Mark Cuban, or he I mean, he was sort of like Mark Cuban in that uh, he he would just answer people on email, uh, not necessarily everybody, but you know, if somebody had something thoughtful and. I sent him an email that explained how I thought that they were not doing the advertising the right way and that there was a much bigger opportunity in targeting and, and some of the things that actually they're now doing with Apple Pay, uh, which didn't exist back then. And he, he responded and we debated back and forth on email for the course of a night. Uh, he, he didn't offer me the, the job to run local for Apple like I was hoping he would through that, but uh, it was certainly a, a cool experience. Now, do you still have that email? Have you got it like framed somewhere? Yeah, actually, uh, I've got a good friend who's an artist. He does his his whole vibe, his whole thing is uh, cartoons on the back of business cards, and they're often a little bit cynical, but very hopeful business focused cartoons. Uh, his name's Hugh McLeod, Sightscapingboyd uh, dot com. But anyway, on when the day Steve Jobs died, he did a print of the Here's to the Crazy Ones ad copy. And put it out there uh, for free to the first hundred people who who tweeted at him about it, and and I sent him a thing back. So anyway, I, in my office, I've got that. Here's to the crazy ones thing, and then the framed email beside it. Man, that's cool. I I, I could imagine that that uh, that'd be a pretty neat thing to have an experienced, especially under the circumstances now. Um, so let me ask you this: uh, what, What's your favorite quote? Who favorite quote? You know the one that comes up the most and especially when I'm I'm writing um, it's I don't think you call it a quote it's a motto you know we talked earlier about I'm from North Carolina and the state motto of North Carolina is esse quam videri I'm sure I just butchered the Latin uh, but which basically means to be rather than to seem and that's something that has just come up in my life and, and things I see in business all the time uh, and and really what I strive for and, and encourage our team to do so you know, a lot of times when you're in marketing and advertising, a lot of it's about making 
something look good or sound good. Um, and, and, you know, maybe sometimes the better thing is just to make it good. Um, you know, I had, when I had my consultancy, I called it just be amazing, uh, because I found that, you know, the advice I was giving clients when they came to me for marketing help was quite often about let, let's, let's not market our way out of this problem. Let's fix the problem with the product or service or what have you. So that, that's something that, that's always stuck with me, uh, for, for many, many years, probably just because my grandmother had a coaster, uh, on the table that had that state seal on it. And it, it was always there staring at me. Well, you know, I think that's a, that's a fantastic one. It really is. Well, we'll wrap up this segment and right after, uh, right after the break, we'll be talking more with Mike Orn on leadership and just, you know, really different topics, how he kind of recharges, rejuvenates himself and really, uh, you know, just, just what it's like being an entrepreneur. So we appreciate it so much. We've got Mike Oren, president of Speak Easy right here on KEXB Experts in Business, 620 AM on the Ambitious Radio Network. Back in on the show here, Texas Money and Business here on KEXB, Experts in Business, 620 AM. Doug Parker is here with Ambitious Radio Network. Doug? Yes, sir. Thanks so much. We've got Mike Warren, president of Speak Easy with us, and he really has just done all kinds of cool stuff. And now we're just going to kind of slow it down a little bit, talk a little bit just about himself, you know, things that he does to, to recharge and, and those kinds of things, but also on leadership, maybe who's mentoring, who's he looking at, what's going on there. So, Mike, welcome back to the show. Thanks so much for, uh, for being part of it today. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for having me here. Absolutely. We got a real professional. I know you're, you're around all kinds of media and stuff. And here I am, you know, just a little Doug Parker trying to make something happen. But anyway, um, you sound like you've been doing this for a while. I wouldn't sell yourself short. Well, I appreciate that. Thanks so much. So, you know, when it comes to, to mentoring, are there folks that you, I know you t- talked about in the last segment, there were some folks that seemed like you were doing some mentoring too, but who, who's investing in you? You know, I I have I don't have somebody right now that I really have going in a mentor role. I'm doing more mentoring myself. Although I you know I mentioned in, in earlier this kind of band of brothers that I have, and and we're we're all uh, we all run businesses of some ilk, and we're all there for each other. And, and we talk a lot about I think the phrase we use a lot is, is steel sharpening steel. So uh, it's more like we hold each other accountable and. I, I may be mentoring one of them on something one day and they're bailing me out and mentoring me the next. Uh, so that's, that's really where, where I get most of that from. You know, I'll tell you what, it, it's, it's really interesting. I can see kind of the fingerprints of, of, uh, on you of different biblical quotes and different things. You know, one of my favorite ones is um, Proverbs thirteen twenty: he who walks with the wise will become wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. So yeah. you surround yourself, like you said, by your band of brothers, and and hey, they're they're wise. They they invest in you. You become wise, um, but you know you always gotta be careful about those fools too, because it'll it'll harm you. Um, right. Well, it's funny you mentioned proverbs because so so our, we we call our group twenty eight one for Proverbs twenty eight one, which is the uh, the wicked man flees though no one pursues, but the righteous man is bold as a lion, uh, and that's what we try and instill in each other. Man, that is fantastic. I'm glad you shared that with us. That's that's uh, that's really great. So kind of on a, on a softer, just uh, kind of a uh, little goofier note, do you have a favorite movie you like? Uh, anything you do to recharge? Well, I, I watch a lot of movies because my wife is in the film business. Okay. Uh, she works for a film distributor based out of Plano, Texas. So I see a lot of movies and see them a year before they come out sometimes. Uh, I told, and, and they do a lot of indie film in America, but 
they also do a lot of Asian import films. So any Kung Fu you've ever seen comes from them. So I, I told my wife that I knew when we got married, I was signing on for a life of subtitles. <laughs> um, you know, that said, you know, I am a movie junkie. Uh, my favorite movie all time, and I'm going to sound like a real old timer, is a thing is called A Face in the Crowd. And not a lot of people have seen it. It, it was a movie with Andy Griffith before the Andy Griffith show. Uh, and it's super powerful. It's a, it's an allegory about media that, that, that works today, uh, just as much as then, you know, a lot of people talk about network as being that pivotal movie in the seventies. And, uh, you know, it's a great movie, but go watch a face in the crowd and you'll be a lot less impressed with network because they were hitting the same themes and the same, uh, the same vibe, you know, 30 years in advance. Uh, it's a really great film. Cool. I had to check that out. So what do you do to recharge? Because I can tell you are wound up and, and <laughs> you're always making it happen. Yeah, you know, uh, a lot of it's really about just my wife and I finding downtime around the house. But I, I'm a music junkie. I, I, I listen to all kinds of music and, and I, th I have uh, a couple hundred thousand songs in my iTunes library. Uh, go to a lot of concerts and, and that's really what energizes me and picks me up. You know, it's funny, like my wife uh, if she gets in the car on a long ride, she wants to hear an audio book. Uh, for me, that my mind drifts too much, so I go straight to music. And, and when I'm down and kind of low energy, I'll, I'll get out of the office and go walk a little bit with my headphones on and, and just kind of get pumped back up. Cool. That makes sense. That makes sense. Now, I know that you like to go to the beach. Is there a, is there a favorite beach that you've got somewhere around the world? Uh, you know, I, it, it's almost any beach. You know, if it's got sand and surf, I'm a happy guy. Uh, that's one thing I probably miss most about North Carolina is, is never being more than a couple hours from the beach in the mountains. Uh, so, so you know, it's wherever we get the opportunity. You know, I really enjoyed uh, – we were in uh, Barcelona uh, a couple years ago for our honeymoon, and, and the beaches around there are probably the most beautiful I've seen. Really? That's cool. I'm going to have to check yeah. that out sometime. I, I've never been to uh, Europe, but that's uh, that's on my list. Our 20-year anniversary is coming up. My wife's been hitting me up for a trip over to that part of the world, so we'll see how that works out. Yeah, you got to do that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, cool. So now um, when it comes to rest, you talked about earlier there was a time where you were working 20 hours a day, so that didn't leave much time for uh, for downtime, but it sounds like you've kind of reeled it back in and gotten your arms around it. But truly sleeping you know, so many people, uh, they just, they, they either sleep deprived or something's going on. There's all these studies that talks about, you know, how your brain drains off bad stuff when you're asleep or whatever, but what kind of, what kind of sleep do you get tonight? You know, I've always needed a lot of sleep. Uh, and that's why the time when I wasn't getting it was so rough and it, it's a little hard to, I've gotten better with it from some of the therapies, but I've got sleep apnea. So I think that's another reason why it takes me a little more sleep to, to make it. So, I, I shoot for eight hours a night. I generally get at least seven. Um, my biggest struggle is if I wake up at that, you know, four o'clock in the morning hour and give my brain enough time to kick in, I'm done. I, I can't I can't go back down. So uh, I've, I've had to come up with a lot of, of brain games to keep myself from thinking too much if I wake up in the middle of the night. You know, it's funny you say that. I, I uh, at some point, I, I've always had a, uh, needed a lot of sleep as well. But at some point, I got where I was waking up at like three thirty or four every morning, and then my brain started moving, and then it was like I can't go sleep. So I literally leave my TV on at night with the volume so low that I can't make out what they're saying. But mm -hmm. it's enough of a distraction. So if I wake up, it just like I can't hear it, but I'm trying to hear it, and then I just go back to sleep, and I don't start thinking about anything. Yeah. So no, it's it's, a, it's it's creating white noise for yourself. I used to do that with music, but but my wife doesn't 
isn't able to do that because then her mind starts trying to follow the lyrics and it'll keep her awake. <laughs> um, so so we, we've compromised and I have a, an air oxidizer purifier by the bed that, that creates some white noise and tries, tries to keep me down. I mean, isn't that the problem when you're an entrepreneur? You've got so many thoughts and ideas uh, that, you know, that, that engage you. Uh, they can also keep you awake. Yeah, absolutely. Well, here's here's the crazy thing. I literally will have a thought driving down a road. If I don't write it down or text myself or something, I may not have it again ever, or it might be two years from now when I have it again. Yep. And so you have to just kind of strike while the iron's hot because I have stuff popping in my head non nonstop. So um, that's that's uh, that's good stuff. So you know, when it comes to a work life, you know, balance. I hear people talk all the time that there's no, you know, some people there is a difference, but there's not a difference. It's all life. The work is just part of it. But how do you kind of reconcile that on, on a day-to-day basis? Yeah, I've, I've gotten better at it over time. And here's the thing that I found is when you maintain the balance, the work is better. You get net more done in less time. I mean, the, the those, those, if you're working a 20 hour day, let's face it, those last eight hours are not productive. You may think they are, but then, then they're going to be negated the next day by, by something you do that's boneheaded or, or, or a bad decision that you make. So, you know, I, I've finally, uh, and it's really only been the last three or four years, gotten it in my head that I'm not shirking the job when I go cut loose. I'm actually keeping myself primed for the job. And, and you hear that and you hear that when you're young and you don't believe it. And, and I think I just had to be forced to see it. Um, and then once I was, I've, I've gotten very clear about that. And I'm, I mean, whether that's getting to bed on time or not saying yes to every event or engagement that comes up where you might possibly meet somebody uh, you know, that, that can help you in business, you just got to you've got to keep those priorities in order, both for the balance and for the good of the business. Gotcha. No, that makes that makes perfect sense. So tell me a little bit of what are you working on now, um, other than Speak Easy, that's just kind of the next thing that's floating around in your in your brain. Well, I guess, you know, tied to Speak Easy, uh, we've got a, a larger ecosystem now of marketing companies that the Dallas Morning News has bought, and I'm spending a lot of time figuring out how to build the synergies between those. So they've got a an SEO SEM company that does Google search stuff. They've got a, a, a marketing automation company, and, and we're trying to figure out how to put all those together. So that's what I'm thinking about on the business front. And then kind of personally, I, I'm, more, I'm, I'm spending a lot of time now through that faith in business conference that you, you mentioned in the earlier segment. Uh, I've gotten involved with this national group called Movement Day, um, and it's tied to Kim, Tim Keller's ministries in New York and a, a fellow named Matt Peer who works with him. Um, and it's really about uh, getting together in cities all the groups that are working on the city's four or five biggest problems. And, and, and strangely, you find that those groups don't know each other a lot of times. There may be 50 organizations in Dallas that are working on uh, human trafficking and, and trying to prevent that, and half of them don't know each other. So it's, it's, it's more than a day, despite what the name says, where they, where they get everybody together, but then it kind of becomes the connective tissue for the, uh, the good of the city. So they started that in New York. Uh, Dallas was the second city, and uh, now they're moving towards doing that in 100 cities worldwide. Uh, but the big, the big conference in New York is next week, so uh, my wife and I are going up there for that. I'm going to do some business while I'm there too, but really working with them to find out how we can make that uh, fly in Dallas and make, make what we do in Dallas the example for, for cities all over the world. Uh, trying to use all the, all the groups, faith, some faith-based, some not, 
uh, you know, in order to make our cities better places to live. Man, that is fantastic. Well, we've got Mike Warren on the show today, president of Speakeasy, and he's always got seemingly a lot of other things going on. We've got Ron Taylor at the helm. Thanks so much, guys, for your time today. I want to do a special thanks to our sponsors for the Ambitious Radio Network. We couldn't do it without you. We've got free electricity, dfw.com, all3reports.com. That's all the number three with an S at the end, reports.com, and repairmycreditnow.com. Tune in Wednesdays for Texas Money and Business, 10 a.m. Central, right here on KEXB. Experts in Business, 620 AM, the Ambitious Radio Network and AmbitiousRadio.com. Next week, we'll be visiting with David Cook with Dallas Baptist University. David is the dean of the School of Leadership. He teaches courses that cover leadership in conflict, Christian worldview of leadership, and great leaders in history. Remember, you can make money or you can make excuses, but you cannot make both. Go out there and be ambitious. <laughs>